Thank you, Eric. Boy, that's quite an introduction. I wish my wife would have heard that. This is my wife. Uh, yesterday I tried to show you a picture and it was, it was too dark. And this is my two little girls. So I live with three women, my wife and two daughters. And uh, this is Strabu, the doll. Uh, Strabu is now on the second round of hair. Her first round of hair fell out. And she had a, a, a rapid developing alopecia that was reser- uh, reversed by a microsurgery on, surgery on the table um, with some felt and a glue gun. And three uh, burned fingers later, she uh, came back to life and only to be lost at the park for three weeks. But she's back with us. And this is Shmiki. That's the little one. She's growing up. She's about two now. Uh, her name is really Catherine Caroline, but I call her Shmiki. Uh, Romanian is Mika for small. Small is, uh, the word small is Mika in Romanian. My mother-in-law's name is Mika. And, uh, small, of course, is small. So I put them together, Shmiki. That's Shmiki. And that's her growing up. Man, I tell you what, if she was here today, you would just fall in love with her. She would come up and hug you and kiss you, even if she never met you before. If you're looking for a relationship, she would have a relationship with you. She is just a really relating type person. Everybody likes her. They're always trying to get her. Uh, to sit with them at church and other wherever. And this is, of course, Malcolm. We knew he was going to be hairy from this picture. And there he is. Malcolm. Now, this is just a few minutes after he was born, and he was already just kind of looking around. And he's just a great guy, and I can't think of having a life without these people. I'm going to be glad to not see you guys anymore and go back to see them again. But I'm glad to see you today. So uh, I am really glad to see you today. Now, yesterday we talked about God, why? And we talked about the fact that God wants to, he, he knows about us, He cares about us, He loves us. And even if we're despicable, like Sam, we talked about, look, if you didn't get to, to come yesterday, I think you might enjoy the tape. Um, this kind of part of my personal testimony. And today I want to share a little bit more testimony with you as we talk about our second subject today, which is parents, how? Now, how many of you this isn't any question. Have parents. I know most of you do. Some of you may, if I ask another question, how many of you live with both biological parents? That would be a little harder for some of you to answer. How many of you get along well with your parents? Might be a little harder for some of you. How many of you have great parents have never had any problem with your parents at all? You've just raised them correctly and they're doing everything right. Some people just have a real good experience with their parents. Other people do not. I did not have a great experience with uh, my parents at the beginning. I want to talk about the importance of that today. Do you have a positive relationship with your father? Last days it says that there'll be problems with parents. People will be disobedient to their parents, will be ungrateful, they'll consider nothing sacred, the Bible says. And uh, researchers have shown that this is very important. The Harvard Masters of Stress study says 82% of participants who had low warmth and closeness with their fathers had diagnosed diseases in midlife compared with only 50% of those who had a high warmth and closeness with their fathers. There's a physical problem, there are physical problems that develop when we don't get along with our dad. John Hopkins University looked at cancer and said the best predictor Who would get cancer decades later was the closeness of the father-son relationship early in life. 
Do you have a positive relationship with your mother? Again, Harvard study, 91% of participants who did not perceive themselves to have had a warm relationship with their mothers had serious diagnosed diseases in midlife, including coronary artery disease, high blood pressure, duodenal ulcers, and alcoholism, compared to only 45% of those who perceive themselves to have a positive relationship. Is it important to have good relationships? You see why I call this parents. How? How do we get along? How do we have good relationships? 100% of participants, all of them, who rated both their mothers and fathers low in warmth and closeness 35 years earlier, had diseases diagnosed in midlife. If you didn't get along with both your parents, you are on a trip, a train wreck ride to heart disease, to cancer, to diabetes. Could it be that the problem is not so much what we eat, although it can't be, but our relationships that are related to health. This lady and her husband go to my church. Great people. This is a great mom and dad figure. And they were so loving and kind that they had, you know, at their home, 20, 30, 40 people, just kids that were starving for love. There are some people that are just parental in all the right senses. And I think in the Bible, the wonderful theme that sometimes is skewed because of our misrelationships or our our, our distorted relationships, our diseased relationships with our fathers and mothers that uh, still, nonetheless, the biggest theme in the Bible is the paternal love of God. God was always talking about the Father and how He loves us. The perception of love itself may turn out to be a core vital psychosocial spiritual buffer, reducing the negative impact of stressors and pathogens and promoting immune function and healing, said this Harvard study. What about a study uh, looking at college-age students, the same group? 95% of subjects who used few positive words and related their parents low and parental caring had diseases diagnosed in midlife, just the way they talked about their parents. Only 29% of subjects who used many positive words and rated their parents high in parental caring had diseases diagnosed in midlife. Do you say positive things about your parents or negative? It will tell you kind of where you are. The relationship of these descriptions of parental love and caring to future health was independent of a family history of illness, of smoking, of emotional stress, of death and divorce of parents, and of marital history. Fascinating research. How many remember this guy? This is Jimmy Hoffa. Was a guy. He was a teamster. Big thing. And he was just known for his anger and his hostility <laughs> and getting things done. I wanted to say to you today that while I seem pretty happy, there was a time in my life I was just very bitter, very angry. And I was very bitter at my father. And uh, there's really, now that I think about it, not too many reasons to have been bitter at my father. My dad got hit by a train when he was seven years old. That doesn't do too much for your physical body or the way you relate to people. Maybe you've been around someone that's had a head injury and they have a hard time concentrating and all those different things. And I didn't really know that, but growing up, my father and I became estranged. I have three daughters, I mean two daughters and one son now, and I just I want to be close to them all the way through. I know I'm going to probably screw something up, probably already have, but I want to, want to be close to them because I know what can happen when bitterness comes in and it's not dealt with. So I began more and more estranged. I can remember 16 years old, finally coming to the conclusion that my dad and I were just not going to be getting along. And I can remember telling him one day in the car, Dad, I can see that you're not happy about life. 
<laughs> you're just a miserable, angry person, and you happen to be a minister too, and that must just be terrible. And my dad looked at me, and he just dismissed it. And I can remember how that relationship got more and more sour to the end of college. And at the end of college, my dad came to my graduation. My dad had never told me he loved me except for maybe two times in my whole life. And he gave me a Bible for graduation. And I took that Bible. And I threw the Bible across the parking lot. And I said, I want nothing to do with your God and with your Bible. Was I bitter? I was very bitter. Yesterday I talked about how I was an atheist. You kind of understand that now? Bitterness, a root of bitterness can lead you to reject people. But the best way to get back at your dad if he's a minister is to reject his God. (laughs) I didn't understand it then, but this was a big motivation and it defiled many people. The Bible talks about Bitterness, it says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And springing up means it can happen fast. Bitterness can happen fast. It can be rampant in moments. It can spread to others causing trouble. And by this, many become defiled. I would dare say to you that many of the people that are in this hospital across the road are there because of bitterness. I would dare say to you that many people in this room are struggling with bitterness. I would dare say to you that if you haven't struggled with it, you will. I would dare say to myself that just because I'm talking here today doesn't mean that I'm protected from it. It can come back in a vengeance. It can spring up. In my life, I sophisticated my disbelief in God. I had all my justifications and I had all my different sources. I liked B.F. Skinner. I liked Carl Jung. I liked some of Nietzsche. And I was drawn to all of these philosophers. And I found justification for a whole new way of life. And when I went home, I would tell my dad how he was wrong and why these people were right. One of my favorites was Carl Rogers, who, although having some good elements, had no real source of authority. And I sophisticated the arguments for unsuspecting Christians and pervade my bitterness to them and spread it broadcast. I'm not proud of it at all. I'm just telling you, I know a little bit about bitterness. Then I made two key discoveries. Two key discoveries. Well, maybe three. First one was I came to an understanding of how bankrupt I was. I talked about that yesterday. That lady in the hospital who said she was going to die and she was an atheist and had been her whole life and she's 65 years old and she says it's not working for me. And then all of her family comes in. None of them have had any relationship with God. They're all miserable. They don't know how to handle life. They don't know how to see their mother die. And, and, and she's come to the end of life. And in her last gasp, she says, would you pray for me? I want to accept Jesus. And that sent me on a course of even greater bitterness. I said, what in the world is going on? And I told you how I went to South America. And this, now look, 
I had failed relationships because I was so bitter. I didn't trust anybody because someone who was most close to me had, in my estimation, let me down. And if God was like that, I wanted nothing to do with him, and I couldn't trust anyone else. Yesterday's lecture was important, because unless we come to know a loving God who cares for us and knows for us, we'll never be able to deal with bitterness. God was after me. He wanted me to deal with it. I don't know, a few years ago, you ever watched TV, you watched these sporting events, and there was this guy that would always show up with a rainbow hair color? Hair looked like a rainbow, and he had a little sign calling John 3.16, Jesus loves you, and he'd always get in the shot. Mm. Mm. And that's the way God really is. He's always trying to get in the shot. You may have rejected him, but he's always after you. And God was after me. So I made the, that discovery yesterday I talked about. Listen to that tape. But I found a key text. I just loved all of these psychologists who played the blame game. Freud. Go back to your childhood and discover why they're wrong and then talk about how your parents are toxic and your church is toxic and talk about how everybody else is the problem. <laughs> Feeding on the husks of everybody else's problems. People love that. They'll feed on it. You can find entire nations that feed on it. You've got people that are bitter. Because one nation is on their soil. And they, they come forward with their writings versus another. Uh, families, nations, individuals are many times motivated by revenge and bitterness. Am I right or am I wrong? Nationalism, tribalism. Is it rampant? And on a personal level, I just loved being able to say all the things that justified my hostile and mean behaviors. Until I came to that moment where I almost had ended my life. And I was riding home, and as I rode home and accepted Jesus in Ohio, <laughs> of all other places, I began to say, wait a minute, what does God have for me? And I opened, I went back, and I found that Bible. I still had the Bible, even though I'd thrown it across the room. I went back, and I found the Bible in the back of the diesel rabbit, and I was in a rest area, and I began to read the Bible. And in the back of the Bible, in the front of the Bible, there was this text my dad had written down. He, I never read what he wrote before. He said, Lots of love, only the first time I'd seen him write that to me, to a wonderful son, Ecclesiastes 12. Remember the Creator in the days of your youth before you basically fall apart. And I instantly had this urge to come back. It's my mother who's always loving, not my father. And I resented it even then, but I still kept reading. And I came to a text, it's a key text, changed my life. It kept me writing home. It's Ezekiel 18, verse 14, and I added part of 17 to make it make a little more sense. If he, however, begets a son who sees all the sins which his father has done and considers but does not do likewise, he shall surely live. This text changed my life. Have you ever read Ezekiel 18? It's got three generations, a grandfather, a father, a grandson, visiting the iniquities of the fathers and toward the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, but showing mercy and the thousands of them will love me and keep my commandments. This is kind of the midrash. This is kind of the commentary. This is kind of the explanation of that text. And as I was reading that text, I came to that, that chapter, I came to this and I, I saw verse what, one or two, it says, the children's teeth are set on edge because the 
fathers have eaten sour grapes. <laughs> there was bitterness. It was rampant. It was transgenerational. It was transformational. It was deadly. It was diabolical. And God's Word here said something about it. It said, you can see all the sins that your father has done, but you, you can even consider them, but you don't have to do likewise. I was the image of, of the father I thought was so wrong. He was bitter. I was bitter. He was angry. I was angry. And suddenly I recognized it. I don't have to be like it. Freud is wrong in that sense. These people are wrong. There can be a change. There can be a difference. It doesn't have to continue. I mean, I think that's good news. I say to you, you know, you're struggling with it. Bitterness doesn't have to continue. It doesn't have to continue one more minute. It can stop today. If your relationship with your parents is wrong, your relationship with your husband or your wife is going to be wrong. Your relationship with your kids is going to be wrong. Is it important to have a good relationship with your parents? Whenever I'm counseling, people are getting married. What do you know about that person's parents? What about this? What about that? And I begin to see what is going to be the issue. People need to see. They need to consider, but not do likewise. Amen? Don't underestimate it. Your relationship with God is very important. Your relationship with your parents is also very important. Even if they've been bad, bad to the bone. So that was my first great discovery. And I saw it in Ohio and I said, man, I begin to think about it. I begin to see, wait, this is amazing. And then secondly, there was a divine appointment. I got home and I arrived home and there was my mother. I never had the heart to tell her how close I'd come to death because it would have devastated her a little more. And so I didn't even tell her, but I was there and she had a back problem and I was taking care of her with her back problem. Then I hurt my back and then she was taking care of me with my back. And God was saying, you know, back off. So anyway, as I was there, my father was circling sort of like a spiritual piranha, wanting to offer jewels and gems. It's amazing how people can have so little insight into what they have caused in someone else's life or what their perception of what they've caused is. I think a great question for every dad to ask is, is there anything that I've done that has hurt you or upset you? Is there anything that, that, that you would say I've left undone that... I think it's a good thing for dads to ask. If you're a dad today, always ask the question. Even ask it when kids are five. I asked my daughter that the other day. She's five. She had a list about five inches long. And I try to clear it up. Because I don't want a root of bitterness springing up. So dad was there and I was resentful and different things. And then my friend calls me up. He says, Don, there's this camp. Uh, I'm going to this camp. You've got to understand, I was a cultural Adventist, sort of like sour cream, you know, cultured but sour. And I was raised in the church, you know, and my I was the high dairy side, you know, causing cholesterol and spiritual heart disease to those that came in contact with me. 
And so I decided I would go to this, and I had this newfound, uh, this newfound love for God. I, I was wanting to start again. I, 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 I had sang the song, given my heart to Jesus. Jesus loves me, this I know. And I said, I'll go to the camp. So we went to the camp together, and Brent's there, and I'm there. But then at the last moment, just like sort of a disaster, like a, a, a terrible potion being added to the stew that was going to kill everybody, my dad said, I want to go too! And I went, oh no. Oh, no. It's a hard thing to let go of bitterness. It has so much energy it produces. And I really didn't want him to go, but he went. Singing Hallelujah, Sing to Jesus, and all these other songs on the way. But never have taken care of business with the person sitting less than three feet away. And my resentment started to come back. I got to this camp. This appointment was a men's retreat. <laughs> and this was like a dynamic thing. I mean, people were singing, they were rejoicing, and I was okay, unless I looked at my dad, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah! Ooh. I'm just being honest with you. So I'm walking. I decided to take a walk, and I take a walk, and I'm out by Lake Schellenbarger. This is Lake Camposabo in Michigan. I'm out by this walk, and I'm going past the teepees of the Indian village. The vegetarian bow and arrows. And as I'm walking past there, this guy literally jumps out of the bushes. This guy was a large guy. He shouldn't have been able to jump that high or far. And he jumped out of the bushes. I mean, it seemed like it to me. And he said, hi, my name's Tony. I said, Tony, pleased to meet you. What's in your mind? He says, uh, I said, you often jump out of the bushes to try and scare people? And he said, I'm sorry, I just was having a consultation with Mother Nature and just uh, jumped back out of the trail. We ought to have our consults, you know, urology, whatever. So, Junk's back on the trail. He says, I said, what's He goes, look, do you know how to pray? I said, uh, you mean like you were just praying on me? He said, no, pray, P-R-A-Y. I said, uh, yeah, I know how to pray. He goes, how? I mean, you've got to understand that just within... Three months before, I had prayed my first prayer in five years when I prayed for that lady as she was dying. I said, look, you know how to pray. What's the point? He goes, I'm going to have a seminar in my cabin over here. And I would like you to come to my seminar because I'm going to be talking about how to pray. And I don't think people really know how to pray as they ought because the Bible says that. We don't know how to pray as we ought in Romans. So anybody that even knows how to pray doesn't really know how to pray because they don't know how to pray as they ought. So you ought to come to this. It was like, you know, this guy Tony is like, you know, he's uh, bothering me. So I said, uh, thanks for the invitation, Tony. Got to run. So I took off. He was fat. He couldn't keep up with me, so that was fine. Back then, right? So he was just unable to do it. He went through crashing through the trees, and he would run into him, and I would, you know, make it. Because I was somehow fighting against this, but then it just really bothered me. And guess where I found myself several hours later? I found myself approaching Tony's cabin. And there were some others that he had been recruiting that day. Tony had been 
to a lot of places. And there were different people coming to his cabin. And we all got inside. And Tony began to talk to us. He says, you know what? I think a lot of you guys this weekend need to know how to pray because you guys got problems with one another. You've got bitterness against you. He started to talk like I had just talked to you today. He shared a little bit of his testimony. He says, and I want to lead you through a prayer based on the sanctuary. Study of the Hebrew sanctuary, he told me, and all this stuff. You know, I don't remember all those things, but I do remember the questions he led us through. He said, look, as far as the east is from the west, God wants to take you away from your sins. He wants to bring you from the east to the west, from where you are into his presence. He needs to take care of all that baggage. He wants you to come together with him and come together with others. And I think that's the purpose of being here. Sounded good to me, you know, so I went in. He began to lead us in this prayer. First thing he asked us to do, he says, look, what I want you to do is just kneel down, kneel down together, and if you have anything to be thankful for, the Bible says, in all things give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus. And so what I want you to do is just give thanks. When something comes to your mind, and if it comes to you and you want to share it, share it. If not, you just say, "Uh uh-huh. If you don't want to say amen, amen. Some religious people do that, and there were secular and religious people there at this thing. He said, you just go, uh-huh. So we kneeled down. and You know, I knelt down. I couldn't really think of anything to be thankful for, except for now I believe in God and that I hadn't killed myself. Those were pretty big things to be thankful for. Now I had an interest in God. And I, was, I said, I'm thankful for that, this and that. Went on for a while. Then he goes to the next question. Ask this question. What is coming between me and you, God? He goes, ask that question. If the Holy Spirit... Brings it up. Don't say it out loud because we don't want to hear it. But just write it down. Get, he had us all have a piece of paper. And as he went through that, what's coming between you and God? People say, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I was just rejoicing at then. I said, you know, the Bible says nothing should separate us. And now I'm at least interested in God. So I didn't have much to put down there. I thought, man, I'm pretty much on the right trap. Then he asked the next question. What is it that's coming between you and others? Oh. See if there's any wicked way in me. See if there's anything separated. Man, when he said that, guess who immediately popped into my mind? Who do you suppose it was? My dad. Yeah, there's a lot coming between us, and I wrote it down. My dad. This is what's coming between me and others and coming between me and God to some extent. And then I had all my reasons and I was rehearsing them there. We did that for a while. Now look, when he did this, he would right instantly after that, he'd say, look, you can't bear all the weight of this. And we would, we would then, he would have us, he had us repeat 1 John 1, 9 together. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it wasn't that easy. I mean, I said it, and it didn't feel like I was cleansed of anything concerning this. But then he had us take out these two lists in Galatians 5, the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit, hatefulness, anger, all those different things. Everything I felt kind of towards my dad was in the one list. And he said, ask God to replace it with the fruits of the Spirit. But it wasn't happening to me. Have you ever been to church and it just didn't happen for you? This didn't happen, you know. Now, I wanted it to happen. You ever been in a situation where you're bitter against someone and you really would like to take it away? And you would like it to go away? You'd like to come back to them? 
You'd like to clear things up, but it just isn't happening. That's the way I felt about it. It wasn't working, but I said, that's fine. You know, this is almost over. But then he asked the last question. The fifth question. Which was, now guys, we did this. I want you to make a list. Make a list. Get ready to make a list. Because we're going to ask God this very key question. What's the question? What is it that you want me to do right now, God? And he says, now right now means within the next several hours. Make a list. He asked that question, I became angry, very angry. Why was I so angry? Because I was used to the bitterness in my life. It's what really had fueled me. And guess what? Came immediately to my mind what God wanted me to do. Irregardless of what my dad had done to me, irregardless of what he had said, irregardless of who he was, the impression came to me, Tell your dad that you love him and that you forgive him irregardless of what he does. I didn't even want to write it down. Tell your dad you love. That's all the further I got. And I stormed out of Tony's little seminar site. I started walking down through the woods. Why did I ever go listen to this guy? Why did I go to this retreat? I'm not doing this. It's ridiculous. Who was tempting me? The devil was not wanting me to take care of this. Nah, I was just self-talking. You ever that self-talk? Ah, that, that guy only knew what he's doing. You might be looking sweet on the outside with your little two-piece suit. <laughs> But inside, you're like, ah! There's a lot of people like that. They're spiritual unibombers. They've got the thing. They're ready to blow up the trade center. Boom! Am I right? And they look so nice. They get on the bus of life. They come to your church, and somehow they blow it all up because there's a root of bitterness. There's all kinds of people, and I was like that. And I was self-talking myself back into everything. I was headed back down to disaster. And all of a sudden, guess what happened? Tony jumps out of the bushes again. Boom! There he is! He goes, where are you going? I sense that you're under conviction. I said, Tony, I sense you're going to get punched in the face. He says, look, man, do the list. God brought you here. God brought you to my cabin. God wants you to do the list. I said, Tony, I'm not doing your little smarmy list. And I believe you should leave me alone. He says, do the list, man. And he starts to try and hug me. I took off through the bushes. For the second time, Tony comes after me. And as he comes after me, small trees are dying a thousand deaths. Shrubbery is being pushed out of the way. Tony's going, stop, come back. I looked around, I said... I'm not coming back. Tony hits the stump. He falls. Boom! And I'm gone. I decided to take the long way around, all the way around Lake Schellenbarger, because I don't want to face Tony again. If there had been a helicopter, I would have got on it. If there had been an airport service, I would have got on it. If there was a taxi cab, but no, I'm in the middle of the woods. I'm slogging through swamps and cedar, cedar, a cedar swamp and different things. I didn't see any alligators. It wasn't that bad. But I was going around, and I'm going, man, I'm getting hungry. 
So I said, I've got to get back to the lodge. I've got to get some food without. And just as I was thinking that, without seeing Tony again, Tony jumped out of the bushes. He had come the other way around. There he is. He's going, where have you been? How could you do that to me? I fell over the stump. You laughed at me. I don't care. You need to do the list. He's got mud on him, but he's... This guy was a spiritual psychotic man. He was this... I mean, he's like the man with the Afro, the Afro that's showing up in the TV because he's everywhere. I said, Tony, you're going to have a heart attack if you try and catch me this time. Took off again. And Tony goes, You're only hurting yourself! You know. I got back to the lodge. I said, man, Tony's over there. I'm going to the lodge. I'll get my food. And then I'll come out of the lodge. I'll be gone. I get in line. I get in the lodge, rather, and I see that the line is about 16 miles long. I'm going, oh, no. I try and cut. The guy says, what are you trying to do? Get back to the back of the line. I'm to the back of the line. Finally, I get through the line, and everything that I had gained on Tony had been lost. And I'm going through line, and I'm going right through line. I'm thinking, maybe he's not going to make me. Maybe I'm going to take a shower, you know, because he looked bad. He probably smelled bad for all the exercise. Just as I get to the end of the line, two terrible things happen. The first thing is, on the other line, coming the other way, I didn't realize it, was my dad. And we meet right at the end of the line. And at the same time, within seconds, Tony comes through the front door. And he goes, like I'm doing what he said. So I sit down with my dad. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh boy. And then it occurred to me, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do this. So we're sitting there eating and all of a sudden I say to my dad, I said, dad, I got to really talk to you. I've been just feeling I need to talk to you for several hours. I'm looking like death warmed over. And my dad goes, well, what is it, son? I said, well, Dad, I, I really think we should take it outside because people around here and I need to talk to you privately. I said, okay, let's take it outside. We weren't through eating. He wasn't through eating. So we go outside. We're standing there outside. He says, what is it, son? I said, Dad, it's taken me a lot of nerve to, 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 to talk about this to you. And uh, I'm just really wondering why it is that you and Mom painted the house that color. They said, you took me all the way out of line because you want to know why we painted the house that color. I said, yeah, I mean, I think it's a terrible color. It's a family house. It's our decision. We have to live in that house from time to time. It's terrible looking. Why couldn't you consult with us? He looked at me like I was kind of crazy. What was happening? I wasn't able to bring myself to do what I should do. 
And I said, that's really it, Dad. I said, look, you can disrespect me, but I think this is important. And he looked at me like I was like one sick cookie. He goes back in. He goes, I'm going to go back in. I said, all right, all right. So I go back in, too, and I said, I said uh, Dad, uh, that wasn't really what I needed to talk about. I needed to talk about something else. He goes, I am finishing my food, young man. So he finished his food. Then he goes, all right. So we go out. And again, I talked to him. I said, Dad, it's really hard for me to mention this, but why is it that you and Mom bought that car? I was struggling. It's hard to get rid of bitterness. And I couldn't do it. That night, I went back to the cabin. Dad went back to the cabin. We all went to sleep. All the men were in this room. We were all sleeping. There's something about men sleeping in the same cabin after food at the cafeteria that they normally don't eat. That causes problems. I'm not an environmentalist. But if I was, I would have been in trouble. So this was happening. And then my dad started snoring. Like a chainsaw. And my self-talk started coming up again. Then in the middle of the night, I said, Man, I have got to say this. I had this overwhelming sense I had to say this. And so guess what happens? I get up. And I say, Dad, i got to talk to you. Dad, Dad, i got to talk to you. Dad! It's almost like cussmall breathing. He stops. What is it, son? What is it? You don't like the color of the house? You don't like the color? I said, no, Dad. I just wanted to tell you that I love you, and I forgive you for everything you've ever done wrong to me, and I've just had this terrible bitterness running around. It's killing me. I've often felt like killing you and everybody else. And I've been angry and mad. And I felt that I'm supposed to say that and I want to say that. And I just, I just, I just, I just love you, Dad. Not a sound. And I reach up, complete darkness. All the snoring has stopped in the room. Everybody else is quiet. And I reach up and I fill my dad's face. And there are tears coming down my dad's face. And my dad begins weeping. And he says, I had no idea. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. I want to tell you, folks, that that was a turning point in my life. A turning point in my life. The devil immediately tried to attack it. I can't tell you that since then I've never had self-talk that's come up again. I can't tell you that the devil still doesn't try and tempt me every time I'm home in different ways. But I can tell you that the devil has not gained the victory. God has rewritten my hard drive. And my dad and I, although we'll never be as close as we could have been, are so close, it's amazing.
Can I challenge you with something today? Can I challenge you with something? Why don't you pray those questions tonight? There's nothing sacred about them, but they all are scriptural. Would you do that? If you're serious about this week of relationships, would you do that? Would you ask God what's thank, what, what, what you have to be thankful for? What it is that may be coming between him and you, and you and others? Would you do that? I dare you to. I'm Tony today, okay? If I show up in your life and I jump out, pray the prayer. And come to that last one and make the list. Maybe you already made the list. Maybe you made it right here. But I plead with you to do it. I showed you at the beginning what's going to happen if you don't. You're going to have physical problems. You're going to have spiritual problems. You're going to have marital problems. You're going to have problems with your kids. Why not do it now? Consider everything your father's done. Consider everything your mother's done. But you don't have to do likewise. I read a little blurb from Ann Landers, and I want to close after that. Right after that, I was going home, and the self-talk was coming up, and I was reading Ann Landers in the newspaper, and it was Father's Day coming up. You know what it said? Someone wrote in and said, what should I give my dad for Father's Day when he's done all these things to me? And they were listing it off. And Ann Landers wrote back and said, why don't you just give your dad a break? I read that and I said, that's what I need to do. Your dad's here today. you got some work to do too. I don't think it should ever be the job, although many times it is, of the son to have to do what I did. I think it would be best if the dad did it. Don't you think so? And I think God wants to do it, but if dad doesn't do it, you do it. Jesus came down here to clear up distortions between the Father and his people. And the promise of Malachi is at the end of time. He'll turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers because he doesn't want us to be under the curse. How many of you think we live at the end of time? How many of you think that God wants to heal your life? Parents, how? I want to suggest to you the way you get along with your parents is by asking God to root out bitterness in your life. He can do it. He did it for me. He continues to do it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for these folks today. Lord, I don't know what this message means to them, but I know what it meant to me when I first heard it. I know how I struggled. I know how I still struggle sometimes, but I know how you've given the victory. Lord, I praise your name for it. I thank you for each person here today. I just ask, Holy Spirit, you come into this room, that you would convict of sin, of righteousness, of judgment to come, that you would bring healing, that you would bring hope, that you would give these young people courage, and these fathers courage, and these mothers courage. And I thank you and I praise you when I come the name of the all-powerful and all-loving Savior, Savior of the entire world, Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen and amen.